five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome back to another edition of the Real Bourbon Bros Podcast. Essential podcast for the novice yet curious whiskey enthusiast. Giddy up. All right, folks. Hope you're ready. Big episode. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for some football? No, just kidding. Are you ready for Mr. Wes Henderson of Angels Envy? Yes, folks. Big our big interview with Wes Henderson is next on the podcast. Hopefully you guys will enjoy our conversation and discussion with uh, Mr. Henderson as much as we did, because we really had a great time uh, talking to him. Um, but uh, Steve, anything else before we get uh, teed up? No, that's, let's do this. Um, hope you guys enjoy it as we did and hope you learn a little bit about the whiskey world. Giddy up. Here he is, Mr. Wes Henderson. Yes, we have an inter an interview coming your way, folks. Um, I'll do a short introduction here of our guest of honor. Um, he is the co-founder of Louisville Distilling Company, the producer of Angel's Envy. He's also a member of the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame, which is probably pretty cool. Um, yeah. And also, he has a lot of cool things just personally about him. I've been reading on his Instagram, but... Yeah. Mr. Wes Henderson, how are you, sir? Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. It's been a chaotic day, so this is a great, uh, a great way to unwind. So be be gentle. Yeah. Be, be gentle. <laughs> talk talk yeah. some whiskey is never a bad evening, it, right? No, it's not, and it's perfect. It's one of those nights where you know you you, you get home, and you're like, yeah, I think I need some whiskey tonight. So it's uh, <laughs> it's good. Oh, yeah. So, so, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll drink some uh, in a little while here and we'll talk about it. And that's, uh, this will get sure. me, get me all excited about going upstairs and having one. Yeah, oh, exactly. Awesome. So, yeah, we would like to, I mean, obviously with your, uh, background and if folks don't know, your, your dad's a pretty famous guy, Lincoln, uh, Henderson. Um, and, uh, how did you get like your start? I, I know it's a loaded question, maybe, uh, how do you get your start in whiskey, but it's probably a family tradition there and you're probably yeah. you know exposed to it early i guess but yeah i mean i, mean, I grew up in the industry um yeah you know i would i would go to work with uh, my dad on weekends a lot of times and you know when i did that of course i just did it because i was a science geek and i mm. thought it was fun i thought it was fun to hang out with my dad but you know he um he spent a lot of time in, in the r d lab and mm. you know being a science geek i, I love microscopes and i you know, I loved all the lab stuff there. And so that's, that's why I enjoyed it. But some of my fondest memories are, you know, going to work with dad and, and, and the, the aroma, believe it or not, the aroma of fermentation is something that I remember as a child as well. And that like wow. when I, when I walk into the distillery or when I get out of my car at Angel's Envy, you know, if the windows were open, you could smell it on the parking lot. And it always took me back to those days. Um, you know, mm -hmm. where, where I'd hang out with dad. So this goes back to, you know, the, the late sixties, early seventies. Did, oh, did wow. you jump into 
you know, going and, and you, you knew what you had, knew what you wanted to do back then? Or did you try other things before that? No, I, I had no idea. I, I mean, I always loved science, but my first job was at 15 was in radio, believe it or not. It, uh, I got a job at a, at, a, at a little radio station in the middle of Podunk, uh, Eminence, Kentucky. Uh, mm. Loved it and spent high school, worked in, in radio for, for quite quite a number of years. And, no kidding. Um, and, and had a, you know, I was a, actually, I was a pretty good radio guy. Uh, and, and, wow. and still gravitate back to it every once in a while. There's a local radio station that will ask me to come in and fill in sometimes. Nice. And I'll do it. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> no, talk. It's pretty. one of the top stations. Actually, it's the number one station in, in uh, and uh, holy in cow now we're yeah. taking to a, a radio celeb here no, Gary. i don't like, know that i don't like, know what does a celebrity it, um, like what doesn't west do yeah <laughs> you know if you ask my wife there's a lot of things i probably don't do <laughs> for but, sure take the trash out <laughs> all, all that all those things so you know so that's really you know i i didn't get into the industry until my uh mid uh, early to mid 20s and I went to work at Brown Foreman. Uh, you know, that's where right. Dad worked, right? Yeah. Which, which I enjoyed. It uh, started out. My first job there was in the mailroom, which, uh, which a lot of people start out there. And it, I, I, I tell, I'm fond of saying that I probably learned more about the industry and more about that company working in the mailroom than any place else ah. in the business. You know, that's all, like all the, the, the belly of the beast. Yeah, right. Exactly. All, all the mail going back and forth. Yeah. Well, you're, you're that, and you know, you're a fly on the wall for a lot of. Uh, conversations uh, you know I, I used to drive the the ceo of the company you know different places to the airport and you know i, I would do their banking and do all kinds of stuff but just on those drive rides to the airport you know the conversations that were that were taking place and um you know it's kind of cool looking back now and you know <clears throat> i'll tell you a quick story and then i'll be quiet and let you guys ask questions but no 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 it's um, very enjoyable at, at brown foreman the um at the time, it still is the fifth floor of the administration building is where all the, the top executives were. There, there are only like four or five of them on the fifth floor. So the fifth floor of the admin building was like the, if you've ever seen the Hudsucker Proxy before, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie before. If you haven't, I recommend it. It's great. Hmm. Um, that uh, So going up there, working in the mailroom or working at any in any place in the company, going up the fifth floor was like, oh, wow, I'm on the fifth floor. Holy shit. Um, and Big deal. It was a big deal, but you know, things come full circle hmm. about five or six years ago. Um, I'm friends with Paul Varga, who was the CEO of Brown Foreman for quite a while. And hmm. I was going mm -hmm. up to have lunch with Paul and I'm walking up on the fifth floor, you know, for, you know, from the mail guy 25 years before to having lunch on the fifth floor with the CEO. And it was, it was kind of a, it was a distinct feeling that I had when I, when I was doing that of like, Oh wow, this is truly, you know, full circle and really surreal. It, it was an amazing, it was a surreal feeling. It, it really yeah, yeah. was. And, um, but yeah, that was, yeah, that, that, there's lots of, uh, lots of fun things. I have lots of great memories that, with Brown Foreman. It's, it's a great company. It still is. Yeah. We love Brown Foreman products. I mean, we talk about them in our pod all the time. So yeah, we definitely know where you're going with that. We yeah. have a lot of their products and, uh, um, I'm gonna take a step back. Uh, do you remember your first, uh, whiskey? Oh, wow. First whiskey in what <laughs> way? When you were 15? No, not just your first... no, not until I was 21. Um, exactly. When you're 21, well, you know, okay. that momentous first, occasion. Your, your first legal whiskey. Yeah. Um, that you bought. I, I really, well, I, 
I didn't really buy anything for for a long time. <laughs> didn't have I to. would steal it from my dad's, um, oh, and and I was dumb it. enough to think I could put water in it or something in it that my dad would oh, notice. Sure. Yeah. But uh, I didn't really drink. I didn't. I didn't really drink much. Um, yeah. You know, until I was legally able to. I just. I was. I was an athlete. Sure. I didn't. Uh, and 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 you know, beverage alcohol was around the house all the time, so there was right. no mystique to it. It wasn't yeah. a thing, right? It was, a, right. Com- it was yeah. a commodity. You right. know, I saw it all the time. And I think my kids are like that as well. Not to say I know that like every, you know, I've got six boys, so I guarantee you somebody was sneaking something. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think there's a certain, you know, that that's that kind of same position now. But I, I used to drink really um, shitty, like old crow from back in the 80s and oh, 90s. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. which I don't think is, I think is actually, oh. I say shitty, you know, now I think it's good. It's, there's some really decent stuff there. Right. But, uh, and, and Jim Beam. So I wasn't even drinking Brown Former. Yeah, I was going to say Jim Beam. That's what we uh, Beam. started off with yeah. a lot. Well, that, that was yeah. the thing. Yeah. I mean, where, Popular. Where, where are you from? Where, where'd you grow up? Mich- Michigan. Michigan. Oh, Michigan. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. so yeah, I mean, definitely in the South, it was a Jim Beam was a thing. Uh, yeah. I think maybe I drank Jack Daniels a little bit. Then when dad created Woodford. You know, yeah. when I was a Brown Foreman, <laughs> I was all in Woodford, of course. Oh, so, yeah. uh, but I've just, I've experienced it all since then. I like a kid in a candy store when I go to the liquor store. It's, it's yeah. changing constantly, I, I think too, but yeah, Jim Bean, uh, my uh, go-to bottle back then when I started with, you know, it was a Red Stag where they had a, like a Red Stag oh. Jim Beam, and then they had an apple flavor. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. All these flavors you can get. Well, you're showing your age. You're a lot younger than I am, so. <laughs> That stuff, uh, <laughs> uh, I can't imagine drinking a lot of that stuff either. No, you know, with all the sugar, uh, yeah, in that, yeah, I just like oh, right no. to your head, right, right to your head. Well, yeah. yeah, and right to your right to your hangover too. Yeah, it, it, I like how you say nonchalant. And my dad started Woodford Reserve, by the way. How nonchalant that was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just like, and my dad started Woodford Reserve. You know, one of the most popular yeah. bourbons out there. So, yeah. Yeah. Jack, uh, right. So you did not. So growing up, so growing up in that community, obviously, like these accomplishments like starting you know woodford reserve things like that and just the accomplishments your dad had like that was not a something you probably had you had different perspective obviously from your point of view than obviously the the public and everything do you ever look back at that and say wow that's that was awesome or like that's pretty cool you know yeah is it just kind of yeah all the time i i didn't yeah i didn't uh not when i was in the middle of it meaning right you know when dad started it and I, look, I didn't follow dad's footsteps, you know, for, for forever. I, I did right. a lot of other things in the business world. And I'm glad I did those things because I was able to bring those things back. And, and you know, and I think that that's a big part of why Angels Envy was successful was to have that knowledge as well as the other stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, um, you know, I didn't, I'm, I always appreciated what my dad did. There's no doubt about it. I just never really understood the impact of it. And, and nobody else really cared. Nobody cared who made the whiskey until 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody knew who yeah. the master distiller was. Nobody cared. Yeah. So, you know, as, as and then I, but then I started as I got older, and especially as I got in the industry, I, I looked at the things dad had created and really started to appreciate the significance of his, his uh, contributions to yeah. the spirits world. And when you really look back, when you step back and say, wow, dad did this, this, and this. And for me to be able to kind of pick up from there and, and start 
the finishing, what now is really a category of its own to start finishing and start doing other things on my right. own and kind of pick up the ball from there. And then the kids picked it up for me. So, you know, it's just this, hopefully this perpetual thing in motion. Yeah, exactly. And, and just, just to toot your dad's horn a little bit more and then, uh, We'll transition now. We definitely have a lot of questions about the finishing. We we both are big sure. fin- uh, uh, fans of the yeah, finishing. Yeah, we're, we're fans uh, of the they're finishing doing... uh, bourbons. Yeah, but your right. dad. Yeah, uh, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Lincoln Henderson, uh, Woodford Reserve, Gentleman Jack, Jack Daniel Single Barrel, and obviously he came out of retirement, correct, to help yeah, with, with Angel. Angel's Envy. That's that's the story. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. How did, did that? How did how did that help? How did how did that originate? How did you get him to? I, I, I remember the conversation. Uh, well, I flew up. I, we were living in Florida. I flew up and, you know, I, I had this idea just kind of, kind of came to me that I wanted to do this bourbon as a family and mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, to kind of, you know, get deeper into the business. So I flew up uh, on a weekend and, and was set with dad in their basement um, and told him what I wanted to do and asked him if he'd be interested in coming on board and, you know, helping and, um, joining us. And he immediately agreed. He said, sure. Now, I don't think dad knew what he was getting into. I don't think that, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I was sure that, well, I'm not saying even no, I don't, I wasn't sure that we could even pull it off. Um, it was just a crazy idea at the time. And it just so happened that it was the right timing and everything. It was the right time. Of, right, right. Everything fell in place, yeah. but you know, and, and it's, it's, we talk about full circle once already, but you know, as I'm coming out of retirement again, which is kind of newsflash <laughs> in case nobody's heard it yet, um, and doing some things with the boys going forward. So, um, okay. So yeah, I mean that 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 I remember it very clearly how that how that happened. Awesome. So yeah, go ahead, Steve. Yeah. So so just when that happened, and and you uh, kind of laid out the business plan and so forth, and. Um, you know, you started looking at finishes instead of, uh, you know, aging you know, some of it yourself, you know, sourcing, the, you know, the, uh, the, the distilled uh, product yeah. product, and then coming over and finishing it. What was that the original idea or did you did you and dad, you, your dad, like uh, start to experiment a little bit after that? Well, we um, uh, we knew we were going to be sourcing whiskey at the right. very beginning. Sure. So there's a couple things in play. Actually, there's a bunch of things in play. But one of the things, if we go back to when when I talked with dad about dad coming out of retirement, was I wanted to challenge him to look at things that he did in the past, maybe, at, you know, in his in his previous life at Brown Foreman that he enjoyed, you know, innovations that he thought of that, that he liked playing around with, or maybe something that he worked on that never saw the light of day. Or, you know, I really mm-hmm. wanted to stimulate his to give him and, and look, the only reason dad came out of retirement was to work with me and work with his grandkids. That's he, he had already had a walk off home run with Woodford. So he didn't need to do mm-hmm. this, but I wanted to make sure he was in an environment where he could really have some fun creativity. So that was, that was one. And so we kept, we kept coming back to finishing as something that dad really enjoyed and, and thought was really cool with single malts, which he helped with Clint Morangie and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things was dad's desire to, Got to it. really do that. And I latched onto that, you know, I kind of latched onto that. The other thing is, is that, 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 the, you know, the, was the mother of, how's the phrase go, but the, the, the mother of invention, you know, sometimes is, is necessity. And, mm-hmm. um, we, we knew we were going to source product to start. We we're going to source product to our specifications. You know, we had a certain mash bill in mind, 
but we weren't just going to take another product that was sourced and stick it in a bottle and call it ours. So we had to think of a way to make it different and put our stamp on it. And so that ties in with the, the finishing. It really does. So it, uh, you know, so it's, but it's, it's, it's really interesting how things evolve. We, we hadn't necessarily decided that finishing was going to be, we're going to plant our flag in the ground. And that was going to be the only thing we did. That just happened to be where we decided to start. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's where we ended up staying as well. But at the beginning, it was not, uh, it wasn't as clearly defined as to where we were going to go. So to keep dad fascinated, keep dad engaged and, and because to, to do something different. And that's really gave birth to, uh, to the whole finishing process for us anyway. Excellent. Yeah. Answer. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. actually was what I was thinking about. You know, you, you answered a lot of the questions I was going to do for follow-up too. So well, go ahead. Zane, ask him again. <laughs> no. So I, I think with the finishing, we're both big fans of the finishing and, and to yeah. be honest with you, at least from my point of view, Daniel's Envy was the first uh, whiskey product that I really enjoyed with any finish. Probably the first one I've actually tried with that, you know, that, that finished, you know, the, the port, the, the rum, you know, that was to me, especially the rye. Like I know Steve has a yeah. similar story. How well, you you want to tell it, Steve, about the rye? Your first experience with the Angels Envy rye. No, I, I, I we were uh, uh, Gary was up in Detroit once. And we went out to a, a local bar on, on Wood Woodford um, Woodward Avenue there. I said Woodford by Woodward. Woodward. <laughs> and slope. Yeah, and uh, I, I saw this uh, Angels Envy. You know the Caribbean rum casts. You know rye and and I. At that time, I wasn't buying a lot of whiskey all the time. I don't think you were either, Gary, but no. um, we tried it and it just blew my mind. And I'm like, and I remember that. And I was telling everyone about this great rye and, 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 and I loved rum at the time too. And so I'm like, this is, this is awesome. And it was, it was harsh. It was like, it was the best I've ever tasted up until then. And maybe my best rye, um, you know, it's, it's up there in the top anyway. So a, that's yeah. where it got started with with this, and and then we looked into it, and you know, oh, this is a finished, you know, this is finished yeah. in a Caribbean rum cask, and we started, you know, that's kind of one of the origin stories of our podcast, anyways, and that was you know, ten years, years ago, ago, maybe. So wow, yeah, we really the, the rye was a lot of fun. It really yeah. was, and you know, when you're in the middle of something, you don't really, you know, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of some some stuff was done out of necessity. You know, but we're just, we just wanted to do a good whiskey. We wanted to do something as a family. We weren't telegraphing it out real far that, Hey, we're going to create this new category. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it's really been neat to see how, and for the first time, just a few weeks ago, I saw finishing, it was an industry article or something like that about, you know, bourbon and whiskeys and how it broke out finishing as a separate, like a subcategory. Right. And, oh, yeah. and it mentioned us as being, uh, the, the pioneers of, of, you know, the modern era yeah. of godfathers of finishing. And I, I never look at it like that. <laughs> I never yeah. really have. And, right. um, it's really gratifying to see that something that, you know, that you started has, has, has legs and people love it and people appreciate it. And that's what keeps me going. Um, it's yeah. know, that love for for bourbon and the conversations that we start with bourbon and things like that. Yeah, no, it's an amazing product and we're, we're big fans of it. Uh, and I have a quick little step back here. 
how did you figure out like how long to finish it and how to get the, you know, is that just trial and error? Uh, you know, you say you started in the lab uh, and yeah. How did you figure out the right mix? Like, how did you figure all that yeah. out that that would just trial and error or you had some blueprints that you would go off of research? Um, it's not that yeah. refined. Uh, it's, okay. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's more artistry than it really is. I mean, it, it okay. not to sound like a goof, but it, yeah. it is, it's, it's an, it's an expression of our art in the form of, of, of a liquid. And, yeah. you know, we, I usually set out or set out with, you know, some notions of what I want to, especially, well, let's, let's take the rye, for example. I, I really, I, I knew what I wanted with the rye, it, it, you know, so I knew what I wanted and I had to work backwards. You know, I had to say, okay, this is what I'm hoping to achieve. And, you know, let's, let's, let's deconstruct things and figure out how we're, how we're going to, you know, how we're going to get there. It was quite simple proposition for me is, is, is rye spicy rum is sweet. And, and the, the exercise was to balance those two together in a way yeah. to where it would, it would dance between, you know, all those different, you know, touch points of, of flavor. So, um, you know, so that's, that's how it happens. And most of our innovation takes place on my kitchen counter with the boys <laughs> on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon where they're just bringing over stuff and, you know, they'll, they'll bring over we, a couple weekends ago. Um, uh, my son, uh, Spencer brought over a, a, uh, a finished or a wine, you know, a fortified wine from another part of the world, you know, the bottle of wine. And he wanted us to taste it to see whether or not it would be good wine for us to get barrels to do some finishing in. And I loved nice. it, but that's at our kitchen counter. Uh, or at the nice. kitchen table and you know here we have this bazillion dollar lab and i stepped foot in it like five <laughs> times i think um the entire time sometimes i'd walk yeah. through there just to, to show that i to make it look like i knew how to run the equipment in there right right but uh yeah that's how innovation that, happens and well, you know that's, i think it's fun like that that's quite the story. See, that's a lot different uh, than our uh, family uh, dining room growing up, isn't it? That's a lot of different scene than how ours was. <laughs> oh. Well, you yeah. know, to each their own, right? Exactly. Yeah. We, we, exactly. we weren't in the industry, but yeah. Just... <laughs> that's what you yeah, were a big, awesome. big, loud Catholic family. So, you know, I mean, that just yes. kind of, that's, you know, yep. that's kind of what, what happens. Yes. We can relate to that. <laughs> yes, we can. We're, we're, we're the same, I think. So, so yeah, in that um, sense. The finishes are, you know, we're big. I think, like you said, another category for bourbon and so forth. And just to, you know, look in your crystal ball, is there any other industry trends that you see happening now? Or, you know, I, I, I can't future. imagine or, you know, I, I guess uh, Gary and I can think of a few things. But, you know, things that are maybe not gimmicks, but things that are going to stick you know, as industry trends in the bourbon making? You know, that's, that's a really good question. Um, I, I think we still have a long way to go with, with some of the different finishing um, uh, endeavors that, that we're going to be, that we're going to be working on and lots of different techniques there that still haven't been, uh, been done and different barrels and different things like that. Um, you know, American single malts, I see some of that coming up. A lot of people think that's going to be a thing. I, I don't know whether or not it has legs. Um, really when rye was first started coming out before we did our rye, I didn't think rye was going to have legs. I really didn't. I was like, eh, it's too spicy. You know, right. it's not, Harsh. Yeah. <clears throat> it's our grandfather's 
you know, or Canadian whiskey or whatever. And, yeah. um, and I was wrong about that. And, you know, I, I don't know if I swore that I'd never do a ride, but I, I thought back years ago that there was a very limited chance that we would even, you know, even play in the rye sandbox. So I'm probably not the right person to ask about, uh, about trends. Uh, you know, I, I kind of just try to, I try to make what, what, what we want to do and what we think people will appreciate and, you know, uh, and just go from there. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. You guys probably yeah. have a better feel for that than I do. Um, you know, being yeah. bourbon lovers and, you know, yeah. and, and knowing what you want to see out in the marketplace, you know, than I do. I'm just yeah. making well, stuff, throwing it out yeah, there. Well, we, yeah. we appreciate it. Yeah. I think right now, I mean, it's not an innovation or anything per se, but I think it's taking over, especially a lot of the stores, uh, the liquor stores we visit is the store picks. Right. I mean, it's yep. just that single, single barrel. barrel. Yep. Yep. It's huge. And I think yeah. that's something that's, I don't yeah. see that slowing down. It just keeps picking up like yeah. every it time does. I go in there, like every week, it's like well, a new bottle. It, it, it does. And, and uh, you know, consumers love it. Uh, you know, uh, partners love it because of the, you know, it's, it's a different price point. You know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. we can charge more for it because it's, there's nothing else out there like it. And it, gen unique. generally it's more expensive to make also, and usually they're higher proof. Um, that's right. a, that's a key point of differentiation a lot of times. And that's what we've done with the, uh, angels envy, uh, you know, private select. Yep. So yep. yeah, I, I, that you nailed it on that, the, the, the single yeah. barrel. And yeah, I do see some trends coming, you know, there, there, there's not much shelf space out there and getting a new brand to market is, is extremely difficult right now. And, you know, you go out on those yeah. shelves and it's like, oh my gosh, it's one thing after another. And you really got to yeah. wonder. There's some good smaller distilleries out there. There's some stuff on the shelf that I think is kind of crappy. Um, but what I, what I think you'll start to see is just start to see a contraction there. Um, the, the smaller guys that can't get market share probably aren't going to, you know, last as long. So then you'll see a contraction yeah. maybe in the, uh, you know, I, I hate to see that because you don't want to lose that creativity um, that, that, that craft distillers bring to the table that the big guys a lot of times aren't able to do. But it's inevitable, I believe, that that you know there's just no more shelf space. So, so what are you going to do? Exactly. Um, I, Steve, I have a quick question, and I, I know I asked the last couple. I butt in with this one. Yeah, um, I have the blackened. I don't know if you can see it. Blackened. Where is it? Up here. Oh, that, yeah. uh, West I love that was yeah the Wes uh, Henderson uh, the collaboration you had with Black and how did that come about? And because uh, I, I I love the finish on that. That's that's an outstanding finish. Uh, Great, great juice. I just Thank curious you. how that came about. Juice. Yeah. Thanks. You said um, juice. <laughs> go ahead. Do what? Go ahead. He said well, juice. I, I, we just kid ourselves when juice. we say juice. Yeah, uh, we say juice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I've if that's a name it. that we should I've be heard it. around. I've heard it before. Um, <laughs> I think that we've used it before, actually. Um, and so the Black and Collaboration was, uh, first and foremost, a lot of fun. It, yeah. it came about... Uh, at really probably Dave Pickerel's funeral. Mm -hmm. And Dave Pickerel was the, you know, master distiller for, 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 uh, makers and then created mm -hmm. whistle pig and Hill rock. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then, then created blackened with Metallica and yep. David, David passed away. And, um, I was talking with Dave's family and talking with the guys at blackened and, and I knew there were, they were telling me there were a couple unfinished projects that Dave had. And I was like, okay, well, let me know if you want any help with any of that stuff. And, um, a little bit later, uh, they reached out to me and said, you know, they talked with Dave's family 
and you know, I was a, Dave was a dear friend of mine, and um, mm. they would be honored if if I would take a look at, at at some of those projects and maybe consider finishing one of them. And um, so Dave had uh, had wanted to do a white port finish for a long time, mm. and I had also wanted to do a white port finish. I was in Portugal. I'd found white port barrels. We couldn't work out a deal with the producer, so we just put it on the shelf. You know, we we put the idea away. Sure. And we decided that we wanted to resurrect the the white port thing that Dave wanted to do. So that's what Rob Dietrich, their master distiller, their new master distiller, and I decided to do. So um, we we got some amazing Kentucky whiskey, Kentucky or well, Kentucky bourbon whiskey, mm-hmm. and uh, found some white port barrels. Uh, we found a source that had some barrels that we absolutely loved, and decided to uh, to do the blackened X Wes Henderson edition, which is the second release in that series. The first one was with uh, Willet which was phenomenal. Yep. I encourage you if you yep. can get your hands on it to try to get your hands <laughs> on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the Black and X Wes Henderson, I just saw an article today that named it one of the, t- the San Francisco, I guess, uh, competition, one of the top five whiskeys of the year, which is, which is kind of oh, cool. Nice. Uh, and it was for charity. Um, that was awesome. my other right. stipulation is that, well, I don't want to call it stipulation, but you know, I, I didn't want any compensation for it. I wanted to finish Dave's deal and we, we donated the proceeds of the, uh, of the, the the release to uh, uh, tornado uh, people yeah, affected by comes. the tornadoes in Western Kentucky, yeah. and yeah. you know it it was very it was very impactful to me for a number of reasons. Number one, um, I'm a Kentuckian, but I also worked on the uh, uh, mass casualty disaster team in Kentucky, mm. and uh, was one of the first responders for the tornado fatalities oh. and and the flood fatalities in Eastern Kentucky that happened uh, several months after that. So being on scene in Western Kentucky and seeing the devastation and, and uh, you know, working on the team, you know, taking care of all those people who lost their lives, it really drove home the, the um, you know, the, 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 the desire to do something to help there. So and to give really back. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. it, it uh, was a great thing. And they, thanks so much to Metallica and, you know, they've been so supportive Lars and, all the guys and uh, Rob Dietrich and uh, just, just yep. great people. All of them just legit, yeah. super cool, you know, righteous nice. people. Down to earth. Yeah. Yep. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And we'll stop the interview right there. We'll finish up the second part in one week's time. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our great conversation so far with Mr. Wes Henderson. Again, Mr. Henderson, thanks you so much for your time uh, with us. Uh, and to those out there who are listening to this on the 18th of June, um, happy Father's Day to everybody. Um, give us a listen uh, on all your streaming platforms. Again, give us uh, a follow on all our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, part two will be up in one week's time. Make sure you listen to that of our interview with Mr. Wes Henderson. Until then, have a good week. and yeah, yeah.